Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. I created this podcast for a few seasons in Dutch where it came in the top 5% most shared podcast worldwide. That's when I realized we talk about issues not only I run into, but many can identify. So here we are bringing it to a bigger audience in English. And today's question is, how can I start having better sex tonight? Dear you, you are going to love today's episode. Listen with an open mind and you will find amazing nuggets. Uh, today's expert has no shame or boundaries talking about sex because it's her job and she does it all day and night. We talk about her book, when people need to think about improving their sex lives and how to do this, and also how you can bring it up to your partner uh, without it being awkward. And seriously, you can start straight away after this episode because Tara has a challenge for you. So cancel your plans tonight and maybe also share this with your partner so they can have a listen. Let's jump in. The facts and figures of today. The most sexually active age group is 25 to 34, where people have sex on average 7.3 times per month. 25% of adults have sex every week. 96% of respondents said being emotionally connected results in the best sex. And one that made me very happy, after the pandemic, 44% of women said they had more orgasms. Our amazing expert today is Tara. Tara is a sex coach for women and couples. She is an author, speaker, and sexual empowerment entrepreneur. She just released her first book, The Better Sex Project, which I really enjoyed reading. She traveled for 10 years to learn all about sex around the world. Tara is uh, 37 years old, lives in Melbourne, and is mom of two kids and married. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and for that lovely intro. Gosh. <laughs> sound like I've done a lot. 10 years. My God, I'm old. 10 years. Yeah. And we'll dive into that in, t in a second. I'm so excited. Um, but my first question to every expert is, how are your 30s going so far? Oh, my 30s. I am barely clinging on to my 30s. I'm like late 30s. So I'm 37. So you need to rename this podcast 30 and a lot because I'm almost 40. Um, they're <laughs> wild. You know, they're like, I thought my 20s were wild, but like being married and a mum to two very small, crazy kids, um, moving, we cross countries twice. It's it's a lot and it's been, we've packed a lot into, into my 30s so far. Um, and look, it has its challenges, it has its good sides and its bad sides. And I feel like I learned a lot about myself in my 20s, but my 30s are just showing me an even deeper 
layer of myself you know I'm kind of uncovering who I am as a mother who I am as a wife and kind of stripping back more of those pieces and and things about myself that I that I hadn't realized were there before especially in my 20s um so it's great it's amazing it does trigger a certain amount of anxiety because I fear the way time just seems to speed up as you get older. It's like every year is, you know, goes by within two months. You know, when you're younger and it's like you go to school and every like term or it like feels like it's seven years in a term and then you hit 35 or 37 yeah. and it's like, oh, there goes another year. Oh, and there's another year. And I'm, you're just kind of barreling towards death. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to get off this train. Somebody stop the train <laughs> because I feel like I've got so much more to do and I just – I don't want to be in a nursing home with dementia just yet, you know. So it keeps me up at night. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm the one at 3 a.m. while my husband is snoring soundly. Look, my 30s are amazing. Yeah. Would you say you prefer your 30s over your 20s? <sighs> you know, some days I look at my life and I go, what is my life? You know, my, my youngest, like, took a shit in the swimming pool the other day during swimming lessons, and I just was like, how did I get here? How is this my life? You know, on a regular basis, I'm just like walking around going, what is happening? But I still did that in my 20s. You know, there was a lot of stuff that, a lot of mistakes that I made in my 20s. There was a lot of learning in my 20s. Um, so I think I prefer who I am in my 30s now. Um, but I do miss that freedom and the spontaneity and the unencumberedness that I had in my 20s. Whereas now I feel more grounded who I am, more solid, more aware of my needs, my desires, my boundaries, but I am in the thick of it with the kids. Um, so there's kind of like a, you know, there's that. <laughs> but kids are awesome. Have five. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote a book, which is so exciting. I finished it uh, and I really enjoyed reading it. And I would love to hear what inspired you to go on this journey. So the Better Sex Project. What inspired me was unfortunately like a very, <laughs> like a rock bottom. So I was living in Sydney. I was single and I was living a life that I guess from the outside looked amazing. I was writing for magazines. I had an online um, column called Tara Tries where I would sort of run around and try all these things related to sex. So whether it was a swingers club or a vibrating alarm clock or whatever it was, I would try it and write about it. And with that came sort of um, a a lifestyle. So there was a lot of parties. There was a lot of kind of um, socializing, you know, great clothes, great, you know, it was, it was an amazing lifestyle. But there was something about it that was just slowly killing me. I had a severe eating disorder. I was self-harming. I would... Um, go to bars and pick up men just to try to fill this void inside of me where I lacked that kind of self-worth and that self-love um, and I just craved some kind of connection to something and so I would go out drinking and I would take these kind of you know strangers home or I would dial up a, an old friend um, and I would have these kind of one night stands but in the morning I was always left feeling worse than when I uh, than when I started so the thing that I was seeking to kind of fill me up or or to kind of feel a certain way, I always kind of felt worse. And I couldn't kind of pinpoint why that was. You know, I was kind of doing everything that the magazines, the my culture had kind of prescribed to me as the way 
you know, 24, 25 year old women lived, you know, we were able to, we should be able to have this kind of uh, like proudly have this sort of promiscuous sex, have these kind of no strings attached sex, know our bodies, our pleasure, and just kind of, you know, have a really wild and great time. So I was doing all of this and I was just going lower and lower and lower. And it wasn't until a particular night where um, I'd had sex where my boundaries had been pushed and I never sort of spoke up. I didn't sort of say, I didn't voice my my pain that I was feeling in my body. I didn't voice my kind of my boundaries. Um, I just sort of let him do what he wanted to do. And then in the morning I woke up on my couch and I was like, this has got to be it. Like, this is enough. I don't want to keep living my life like this. I don't want to feel used and abused every time I have sex. I'd had good sexual experiences in the past, so I knew it existed. I knew I could kind of find and taste pleasure. I just didn't know how to get back to that. And so I I love a project. So I'd already kind of had that background of kind of trying things because I was writing a column and I was like, well, what if I tried to learn how to have better sex? So the Better Sex Project was formed. And I basically set myself the task of discovering, wiping my sexual slate clean and then discovering for me, for myself personally, what would make sex great. And I put in a a very strict rule that I would not use any kind of tips and tricks from magazines. I would not use toys or pie lingerie or, you know, whenever you Google how to have better sex, you know, you're just sold item after item, like panties and, you know, the rabbit vibrator or whatever. And those are all great and they definitely enhance, but I really wanted to find sex, what made sex like really great. Um, And so I did. I like had many kind of ups and downs. I definitely had times when I, I want to say the word relapse, it sounds like I was you know, at one time I did think I was a sex addict, um, which you can read about it in the book. Um, but there were definitely times that I still kind of reached for the phone. I was like, well, maybe I should just, you know, dial a dude or something. But I really set my mind and my heart on it. And I just started to look for alternate ways of understanding sexuality, holistic ways. So I enrolled in every kind of workshop I could get my hands on. I traveled around the world from you know, massaging prostates in um, in Iceland with a guy who'd slept with over 1,500 women, you know, and he was like, I have a, a spiritual healing penis. And I was like, okay, you could keep that spiritual healing piece away from me, penis away from me. That sounds so creepy. So creepy, right? So creepy. Um, to sex camp in Melbourne, which was, you know, which is kind of that opening part in the book where I talk about um, – tying up that stranger's uh, scrotum with a, with a shoelace um, to just doing all mm-hmm. sorts of different things, body work, breathing, tantra. I fell in love with tantra as a spiritual kind of pathway to pleasure, but also the kind of the way I saw the way that they infused their life with these kind of tantric principles. So I went to tantra school in Thailand. I massaged breasts on famous people in LA. I went to London, like, you name it, I did it. The crazier, the wackier, the there was nothing, no holds bars. I just wanted to really kind of invest and dive into this world of sexuality and self-love. And what I noticed was every time I started to find a different piece of the puzzle, it wasn't just my own pleasure or my own sex life that was improving, but 
I was becoming more happier. I was feeling more radiant. I was kind of started to magnetize around me the life that I had always wanted. I, you know, I became very firm in my boundaries. I could voice my desires and my needs in the bedroom, which made my sex life more fulfilling, which made me trust myself more. And even from doing that, I could use my voice more in a way of not just in the bedroom, but for what I wanted in my life as well. I could speak up for myself. And it was really, really interesting. And what I've noticed that when I work with women as well, that sexuality and doing this kind of work and going on these kind of journeys where you sort of reclaim your sexual power, your life shifts so dramatically. The transformation is not just happens for that, you know, 10 to 15, 20, 30 minutes you're having sex or or um, with your partner, but your whole life starts to shift and change as well. And that's how I really fell in love with this work is that I learned to love my body more. All of that warring that I, you know, was trying to uh, strive to look a certain way and fit into a certain size dress, when I was prioritizing my pleasure and continually tapping into my body and what it could do, that inner criticism and that um, that really harsh inner critic of mine turned to compassion, turned to love. Um, so it was really life-changing stuff and it's why I think I'm so passionate about sharing it with everybody now because it's also a pathway that isn't necessarily spoken about. You know, we talk about sex in sort of a very limited kind of um, limited way where we sort of talk about the act in and of itself, but we don't talk about the effects on our well-being um, and how that can kind of ripple out, you know, when we when we start to really feel empowered in our sexuality, the ripples it has on our entire life. So I think it's now I feel like it is starting to come out where, you know, especially in Gen Z and things, they're very good around consent and things, and they're very, mm -hmm. they're much better and more equipped with the terminology um, than I ever was growing up. You know, there's less shame and less taboo around it. Um, but I still think we have a long way to go in getting sexuality into the mainstream as a well-being practice because it is, you know, we take care of our bodies with exercise, we take care of our mind with meditation, we should be able to take care of our sexual well-being in the same manner and it not be shrouded in shame. So you can see I'm very passionate about my work. It's something that we all do basically, but rarely ever talk about. And even within couples, it's something that is rarely talked about. Mm, absolutely. I mean, gosh, it, even knowing how to bring it up with couples is, is, can be really frightening and challenging because we aren't ever taught about it. You know, I don't know about what uh, the sex education in the Netherlands is, is like, but I mean, we were given a banana and a condom and be like, don't ever have sex. You'll die of 14,000 yeah. STDs or you'll have 10 kids and no one will love you. You know, and that was it. You, there you go. You're on your way. And what was lacking was this kind of, again, all of that terminology around consent and, but also learning how to voice your desires and things. It's very hard to like get to a point in a relationship, say, Hey babe, you know what I want? I want a finger in the bum, you know, to be able to say that with so much kind of um, conviction, but also not feel that that pressure or that shame and that kind of like <gasps> con contraction, but just to be able to say like, I want a hamburger for dinner, but I'd also like to role play a little bit tonight, you know, to be able to say it in that kind of 
fluidity in 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 an ease of conversation. Well, let's jump into it. Do you have tips for people in relationships where they desire something or they want to have an open conversation about sex and what they like? How should you start that if you don't feel very natural in speaking about sex? Well, first off, I really want to normalize the fact that for if you feel uncomfortable you're definitely not alone like I would say everybody from this in this especially the the age group that that we are has some sense of awkwardness or hesitation um or judgment around speaking about sex with their partner is he going to judge me does he think something's wrong what if my desires are crazy or weird and you can kind of get stuck in your mind um but my my tip would be to to let all of that go and and in order to kind of create a culture in your relationship where sex is spoken about often and frequently in order to keep that that sexual well-being um, or, or, or the sex life thriving, there needs to be communication. So you may as well start to get um, more comfortable with talking about it. And the way that you can do that is to start bringing it up not personally, so something about your own sex life, but through the way that you're, the things that you see. So it might be while you're watching a movie, you could say, oh my God, that sex scene was so hot. I love the way he came into the shower while she was in there and he started running his hands over. Wasn't that hot? And then your partner, he or she might say, oh yeah, that was really hot. And then you could kind of, you can either take that conversation further or leave it there. Or you might be in the car and a sexy song might come on and be like, God, this song is so sexy. It really gets me in the mood. So you're just putting kind of like little sex bombs or just dropping little kind of conversation tidbits around the place without kind of talking to your partner straight on and be like, let's have a conversation about sex. We must talk about everything right now because A, that can be quite weird and it can be quite confronting. But also what we're doing is we're bringing sex into the conversation without bringing anything that has become a hurdle or a problem within the relationship. So the more we start to get comfortable with talking about sex before there is a problem or before there is an issue that needs to be talked about, the less likely it's going to feel like this big thing when you do have that conversation with like, hey, babe, just a minute. I just want to kind of have a check in um, about sex lately. I've noticed we've kind of been a bit off like is it me or are you feeling stressed with work? You know, that kind of stuff is going to be easier to approach when there's already sort of this, this culture of discussion about sex. So bringing little elements of sex in talking about this podcast. Hey, I was l- listening to this podcast um, that Pate was doing and it was really interesting. Oh, my God, the woman speaking was incredible. No, you don't have to say that. <laughs> You can bring in something that maybe that I've said that kind of resonated and share it with your partner. You could read my book and share that with your partner. You could read any sex book, you know, off off Google or Amazon, sorry. Um, I have like sex cards that I designed to make talking about sex easier. So you could play a game over a glass of wine where you ask each other questions, anything that feels easeful for you. Then after a while, you can start bringing in more of the conversations that you want to start to have. Again, don't do it in the bedroom. Start to get comfortable talking about sex first outside of the bedroom and then go into the bedroom. So driving the car is really good because you're not actually looking directly at each other. Somebody's looking at the road. You can kind of 
you know, kind of been dropping it into normal conversation. You can, you know, when you're out for a walk, walking the dog, whatever it is, it just takes the, the kind of the heaviness um, away while you, while you begin to start to get used to talking about sex. Things that have gone really well in the past, memories that you've enjoyed in the past, this great sex in, in France that you had on a moped on the mountain or something, I don't know. But just, hey, babe, do you remember that time we had sex? on the boat in Croatia that was so sexy I would love to do that again like it was really really hot I loved that you really slowed down and it was like you just kind of explored my whole body and it was on fire and then our partner's brain he or she might go ah I'm registering that I'm starting to kind of clock on that she likes when I do x y and z you know and then those kind of little hints, those kind of subtleties can then grow to when you're feeling more comfortable with each other, having a conversation. I love it. So many good nuggets. And especially also saying, like, try to talk about it before it becomes a problem is very good. And I think that's kind of the case with everything in a relationship and also when it comes to sex. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Always, always try to talk about it before it comes a problem. And even if there are problems you know, no sex life is perfect. So even if there are things that you do want to bring up, start with the positives first, you know, get that out there and get that kind of, yeah, that that routine of appreciation and uh, positivity towards your relationship, especially around sex, before then you start to bring in the things that can kind of improve or, um, or change. In your experience with the couples that you see or the people that you see, um, do you feel like there are a lot of people being okay with not having great sex? I think there is a lot of people who <clears throat> who lack the the knowing that sex can be better. So what I mean by that is that let's say you've had vanilla ice cream your whole life, right? It's okay in the beginning. It's it's you know it it satisfies your sweet tooth. It gets the job done. If you've only had vanilla ice cream for 20 years and you never knew that there was a whole buffet or array of other desserts that could delight your your taste buds, then you don't know what you're missing out on, right? But if you suddenly have a tiramisu or you have a creme brulee or you have a sticky date pudding or a black forest cake and you're like, holy shit, why didn't anybody tell me I could go up and I could serve myself any one of these delectable delights and I've been having vanilla ice cream my whole life? What the fuck? <laughs> you know, so I feel like our culture gives us a very narrow view of what sex, good sex, should look like. So that's your classic movie uh, type sex or your porn sex where very little kind of foreplay happens. There's a big climax, mostly the man and the woman come together and then it's done and, you know, one person smokes a cigarette or whatever it is and everybody's just so happy and thrilled that that 2.5 second sex was, you know, life-changing. For most of us, especially women, sex doesn't work like that. Our bodies need time. They need to open. We need more. And if you haven't had that before and you're expecting that 2.5-minute wham-bam-thank-you-Sam sex, that movie-style sex to happen and your body doesn't respond, a lot of people internalise that as saying, oh, that's something wrong with me. I'm the one that's broken because... I'm doing all of the positions, I'm having sex the way I should quote unquote have sex, 
if it's not, if I'm not feeling what I'm supposed to feel, or I'm not having these, you know, amazing orgasms, I must be the one broken. I truly believe that inside every human being is a vibrant, alive, incredible sexuality. But I don't, you know, I don't wonder why that um, women aren't experiencing that or don't feel tapped into it because we don't know how. I think also um, just how everything works for a man and a woman with a vulva and a penis is so different. And for a guy, when he finishes, something happens, they come. But for a woman, there's nothing physical you can see, um, which makes it so much harder as well. And there are so many women who have never had an orgasm or regularly fake, fake it. Exactly. And the, the faking it does nothing to serve us because once we faked it once, we almost sort of lean on it as a way for it to to get the job done, right? I think everybody listening, well, may, I hope not everybody listening, but I know for, for myself, faking it has been a way to end it because it ha- it's, I feel like I'm taking too long or it's, um, it's become uncomfortable or I've got shit to do and I need to wrap this up or, you know, for lots of different ways. But when we do fake it all, we kind of, let our partner or partners that give them that kind of that signal that oh wow what you and I just did works then that's going to be repeated it serves no one to fake um, an orgasm and we're not showing up authentically it's a disservice to our ourself it's a disservice to our partners women again don't know that it is possible to find your orgasm you know to to increase your pleasure and to kind of um, rediscover what who your uh, truest sexual self is and it's never too late never too late I've had a woman in who is 67 as a coaching client and she had a very first orgasm you know she had gone through her whole life through menopause and now she is like just this awakened sex goddess to the point where I was like we're gonna need to rein that in a little bit like she's just like I am alive <laughs> I'm like okay right but let's just bring it back a little bit, you know. So it's never ever too late. It's 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 there. I promise you that. It and it's there's no limit to pleasure. It is ever abundant. It is there's no you don't hit a glass ceiling on pleasure. Your orgasm can always be increased. There's always so uh, a, a deeper level to go. There's a different experience to have. It's it's yeah. The sky's the limit when it comes to sexual pleasure. What kind of questions do you think you can ask yourself if you're unsure if your sex life is fulfilling? I think if you're unsure if your sex life is fulfilling, that's reassurance enough that it's time to do some digging. And here's the thing, right? Like you don't have to hit rock bottom the way that I did. You know, there were, if we're looking at sexuality as a wellness um, endeavor, as something we do in order to feel good, to feel deeper, deeply connected to ourselves, to change our life. It, there doesn't have to be anything wrong to to go on a better sex journey or to start your own better sex project. Things can be really great and you can still go, you know what, there are things that I would like to experience. I really want to experience transcendent sex, for example. This The way that the tantrics have sex where they they it becomes like a spiritual communion and, and like you can touch God of whatever version that is of, of you or I'd really like to go into more of a kinkier side or I would like to explore um, same-sex play, whatever it is, you know. I've never met a woman who hasn't 
got something on her kind of to-do list or something that kind of stirs the kind of the feeling between her legs and goes, hmm, that might actually be nice. doesn't mean you have to act on all of it, but it does mean that there is a little bit of, of a nudge from your intuition to be like, you know what, there is more there when you like sex, when you don't, things that you would like to try, what inspires your arousal, what kind of, um, you know, taboos kind of make you lean a little bit forward. Um, and I think that, again, it doesn't have to be or doesn't have to point to the fact that there's anything wrong in your relationship. It can point to the fact that there's something very right, especially if you're in a long-term relationship, because quite often that's when we feel the safest. I've never met a partner that was like, oh, you know what, my partner's on a sex journey and, oh, gosh, she wants to try some too many things, too many things. It's bad. It's bad. This whole sex thing's bad. Wrap it up. You know, they're excited and it re-energizes that part of the relationship. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. do you believe you can have a fulfilling sex life if you're mainly there to pleasure your partner or does it really have to come from both sides this is a really interesting one i think again it comes down to the individual as an individual, if you feel your sex life is is fulfilling in whatever shape that, that looks like, if even if you're not experiencing pleasure, but perhaps you connect to your partner differently during sex, um, they might experience the orgasm, you don't experience the orgasm, but you still feel a sense of fulfillment um, during that experience, then by all means. However, if you are feeling like there is something missing or you, if you are feeling unfulfilled or if you're feeling like, again, that, that tiny voice inside of yourself, that even if it's just a, oh, you know, they got all the pleasure again or, oh, I missed out or kind of always feels like it's about them, then follow that, trust that. That's that, that inner knowing of pointing to being like, no, 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 this is not right. You're not there in service of, of, um, of that other person. Pleasure is your birthright and you deserve an abundance of sensual and sexual pleasure, however that looks and feels to you. Something inside of us has picked up the message for a lot of us that sex is about them first and if it feels good to us, then sure, that's all right, but it's their pleasure first. And we know this by has there ever been a time where you haven't had an orgasm but your partner has and that's fine, right? Never really kind of talked about. But if we were to flip that and you had an orgasm, but your partner didn't have an orgasm, does that happen as often? I would say probably not. Yeah. What happens if your partner only pleasured you for the next seven times you made love? Right? Like there is still this kind of thing of, oh God, that would make me wildly uncomfortable. That would never happen. I could never receive that amount of attention and pleasure at the sacrifice of what they're, you know, from them. I must give back to them. I have to, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a very hard question to answer. And I think it definitely comes down to the individual. Um, because again, there's, there's relationships that function with no sex at all and they're completely happy. So it's, um, it all comes down to if you feel fulfilled, regardless of, you know, who gets 
the lion's share of the pleasure or who's experiencing it. You just said pleasure is your birthright. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Well, it is, right? You know, and here's the thing of why I know it's so natural. <clears throat> I have a four-year-old daughter. From the age of two, she has been very experimental with her body. And I'm talking my electric toothbrush, my back massager, my anything that vibrates, I have to hide from her, right? Like it goes missing. She takes it into her wherever she is. Well, not even her bedroom, in the lounge room. She like puts it in her, the places that feels really good. She's like, oh, mommy, and she starts having these laughter fits and things like that. She knows that pleasure in her body, that it's her right to claim that pleasure. She does the things to her body that make her body feel good, that make her her skin tingle because she has never been told it's not okay to touch your body. It's not okay to um, experience this most this this pleasure. It's not okay to touch your body like that or ask for for that. Yeah. So it is born inside of us. What it does is it gets slowly dulled and killed by all of the society shit and culture and trauma and parenting and but to use pleasure and sex as a as a way of um, real deep connection it's it's profound it's it's one of the most powerful ways I think a woman can kind of tap into the true soul essence of who she is um, so yes pleasure is your birthright <laughs> Pleasure is your birthright. Whenever you are about to have heart conversation with your partner about pleasure, remember this. Use it as a mantra in your head. Pleasure is a birthright. Pleasure is my birthright. Exactly. Let's dive into it. How can we have better sex starting tonight? If anybody's listening to this and think I sound like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, I am very sick very high on cough medicine, which is why this podcast is going to get a little bit wild. Um, but I don't normally sound like this. I, I sound a little bit sexier. No, not, not really. <laughs> but I do sound very kind of gruff and masculine and golem-like. It's because I'm sick. And, and I want to preface this by saying first and foremost is that the prescription for pleasure and for better sex is going to look different across the board. I can't give you you know, five tips that is going to work for every single body, for every single soul, for every kind of partnership, because the way that pleasure um, expresses itself in somebody's body is unique to everybody's individual, like is, is, is individual to everybody, yeah? The pathways that make your body start to open and light up with a lover is going to be very different depending on who you are, what you've experienced in your past, your culture, your race, your your se uh, sensual and sexual preferences, all of those things. So it's highly individual. So these five things I'm going to share with you are things that are broad but that tend to make a difference no matter all of those kind of other individual sort of idiosyncrasies, yeah? But the first tip I want to give is that knowing why you have sex to begin with is very, very important. And I say this because a lot of us go into sex, becomes very routine, right? We do the same kind of thing. Again, if you're in a heteronormative relationship, he does this for five, eight, 10 minutes. You do this to him. You do a little bit of X, Y, and Z, and then it sort of is the end. What happens though, is that if we are, if the intention to have sex with our partner is for example to feel deeply connected to them and we're going to bed and we're turning the lights off we're not looking at each other we're 
kind of got the lingering stress and residue of the day in our minds, in our bodies, our bodies are tight. We're kind of thrashing our bodies together. At the end of the experience, it can leave us feeling unfulfilled. It can lead us feeling, yeah, sure, I had an orgasm, but I didn't get what I was looking for. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to kind of set an intention or know why you're having sex every single time. But I think in order to have elevated sex, to have better sex than the sort of the the routine sex, knowing the intention of the flavor of what you want to feel and experience through that experience is really, really helpful because then you can start to kind of art direct the experience a little bit. You can know the elements you need to bring in. You can't go, oh, I want to get kinky, but have never said anything to your partner. Just like surprise him with a freaking spatula and be like, shit's going to get kinky. They're going to be like, ah, what do you mean? You know, it's going to fall flat on its face. And I know that because I've done that with my husband before. I went too fast, too soon, and he almost passed out. And so now knowing that kind of like that everybody's on the same page before you bring in an experience, uh, it's really helpful. That's where that good communication comes comes in. Um, so that would be my first tip, knowing what you want to um, get out, what you want to feel when you make love or have sex or or be intimate with your partner is really, really handy. The second one is once you know the intention is to set the scene, is to prep the space and prep yourself. And again, I don't mean that you have to, you know, go all out, but There is this thing that happens when in a long-term relationship, and I am probably one of the most guilty of it, is that we leave sex to the last thing at the end of the day. So you've had your dinner, you've watched Netflix in your trackies with the holes in them, go to bed, you've washed your face, you've put your toothpaste on your zits or whatever, you climb into bed, you're looking at your phone, and then one person leans over and like starts to kiss the other or puts their hand on your leg and like yeah right and so then you just kind of start and you roll and you roll into it again that sex can be good but it's not necessarily going to lead to kind of that earth-shaking amazing dynamic different experience that can be really beneficial in a long-term relationship in order to shake things up you know to keep things um alive because there is a very old saying that says um you know repetition will kill desire and it's true. What we need in order to keep desire and um, that that fire between two people is a little bit of spontaneity, a little bit of of change, a little bit of something that is a little bit dynamic. Yeah, there's always kind of got to be some kind of growth, some kind of expansion. It does not mean that you have to have this kind of sex, you know, every time you have sex. But like, if you set yourself a rule once every two months or once every month, you would be really intentional in creating a sexual experience for you both where you set your intention and you create um, and prep the space and do these things that I'm about to tell you can do a lot for a sex life and can start to, again, show you what is actually possible. So when I'm talking about prepping the space, it's about, again, bringing in those kind of um, elements that are going to support your intention, whether it's candles, whether it's incense, whether it is um, coconut oil, then I want you to kind of think about prepping yourself. So you can only go as far as your nervous system will allow 
in any kind of given sexual experience. And what I mean by that is that if you've come off a day of work where it's been stressful, you've run a million miles an hour, you've all up inside of your head with all these kind of to-do lists, taking that amount of energy and stress and contraction within your body into a sexual encounter, it's going to be very hard to kind of tap into all those beautiful and subtle sexual and sensual experiences. Can I just add that stress, it will kill pleasure before it even starts. So it's really, really important to take a moment, if you can, to release that stress. And whether that's as simple as having a shower with a glass of wine or a bath or what I like to do is really like shake or put on a piece of music and just shake, 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 shake to kind of dispel, um, expel, dispel, expel that that pent-up energy, let it all out and then start to soothe and bring down the nervous system so we start to open up the body. And this can be done after you've set up the space. So again, one of my favorite things to do is to light the candles, put some music on. Music, again, makes me feel like I'm, not that I'm ritualizing it, but I'm taking this experience and I'm elevating it out of just, you know, something that we do at nine o'clock before we go to sleep and making it really intentional, putting it it in a place of where I say I'm prioritizing the next hour to tap into my pleasure, to connect with my partner, to have this sexual and sensual experience. Again, not every time, but, you know, once in every four or five times that we make love. Prepare my body in a way that makes me feel sexy, that we're coming out of the kind of that every day and we're coming into a more sensual, deliberate, slowing down of our nervous system and we're starting to activate desire. And this is really, really important for people in long-term relationships and people with kids because desire starts to fade, that that hunger to have sex with our partner starts to fade about two years into a relationship. That spontaneous desire isn't going to happen. You have to create it. So even if you're not feeling particularly hot or sexy and, again, you've got a thousand things to do and your kids have been sick all day and you finally got them to bed, it's up to you then to create the circumstances and the environments to invite that kind of that sensual uh, aliveness in. So that's why, again, setting the scene is really good. That's why having the shower, moisturizing yourself, moving to sensual sexual music or whatever, again, floats your boat. You could even start yourself off with a little bit of on your vibrator, if you like, just to kind of get yourself into that mood, some hip rolls, some sensual music, like anything that just makes you kind of feel into your body. Then from that space, you invite the encounter with your partner and, and, you know, and let it unfold as it does. But I can't tell you enough how just being really intentional with setting that space and setting and prepping your own own sense of self and making sure your nervous system is, is in a place to actually receive how much that that can transform your experience. So number three, am I okay just to keep going? I'm on a bit of a roll. Yeah, totally. Keep going. I'm transfixed. I'm transfixed. Um, Okay, number three. So number three would be to utilize your breath. And I know it sounds very simple, but it is by far the most powerful tool that you have available for you to not only help during your sexual experience, but to transform and elevate your sexual and sensual pleasure. So your breath will help you, and by breath I mean by breathing in a conscious and mindful way. It doesn't have to be elaborate. I'm not going to ask you to do a box breath or count in for eight and out for four or hyperventilate or Wim Hof your way through sex. But what I would encourage you to do is to breathe deeply. So in through your nose for 
a little bit longer than a normal breath and out through your mouth for again, a little bit longer than a normal breath and keeping your focus and your awareness just on that. And using your breath in this way, what it's going to do is it's going to start to quieten down that mental noise because I'm sure, you know, if you're like me, there's a lot of things going through your mind all at once. That breathing is going to allow that kind of mental chatter to kind of sort of die down a little bit. It's going to open up your body so that you're able to kind of start to become aware of the subtle feelings that you're feeling, yeah? And what we're doing is we're just breathing into the journey. So the breath is going to allow us to start to become aware of all of those really subtle, delicious, nuanced kind of sensations that we haven't probably felt before or that have been there, but we haven't paid enough attention. You know, when our partner's trailing their fingers down our outside of our leg, when we're breathing in this particular way and bringing our conscious awareness to that, we become more aware of the fingertips and the touch. We've become more aware on the little hairs on our neck that stands up. We become more aware of the sort of the, the follicles in our hair, like our body becomes a much more open and alive to sensations when we use that breath in that really conscious and mindful way. Again, when we start to expand into say kind of climactic kind of um, like if, if you were about to have an orgasm, keep it like instead of speeding up your breath, again, consciously slowing that breath down, that pleasure, that orgasm, it's not going to go anywhere. So if you, rather than kind of <gasps> like kind of chase it down or start to kind of do more sort of that porn kind of, uh, kind of, you know, whatever it is, if you just keep that <sighs> and instead of hunt, going on the hunt for the orgasm, let that orgasm find you, it's going to be a much more expansive orgasm. That breath is going to allow you to experience pleasure for longer. It's going to allow you to experience pleasure deeper. It'll if you want it to and you do it for long enough, you can train yourself to have those transcendent experiences. You can actually have breath orgasms on its own, like you could just by using your breath. But it's it's a very easy way to change your sensual and sexual experience without really doing anything. So breath is really, really good. The next one, number four, would be to add on to the breath is to sound. And this is where it becomes really important in a couple of ways is that a lot of us feel awkward making sound in the bedroom. We can feel like we either have to be sort of like make porn star sounds where it's like, ah, 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 oh yeah, like that, you big dirty muffin or whatever it is. I don't say big dirty muffin. I've never said that in my life. Um, but you know what I mean, like that, that kind of thing. But when I'm talking about sound, I'm talking about letting what is true and what is real actually come out verbally. And what's really interesting is that, again, when I was talking about women feeling like they can't be too much, they can't voice their desires, they can't ask for what they, they want or they feel hesitant, learning how to make sound in the bedroom is liberating. And what it does is it, again, supercharges your pleasure. You know, when you open your throat, you actually relax your pelvic floor and it becomes this kind of super highway where all of that pleasure and all of that juice starts to kind of get really activated and stirred up. And when you make a sound, it starts to rise up. And if we're talking about sexual energy in terms of using sexual energy to expand into a really great orgasm or having really great sex, that's... Um, sexual energy is moved through sound. So when we 
get up and we sort of, um, so when we start to breathe and then we use sound with it, it kind of catapults it, yeah? So we open the throat, we start to make sounds that sort of can range from sort of anything from small groans. It doesn't have to be big. It can just be like, ah, ah, to anything to like, ah, letting loose our free expression. But we're also doing something really powerful in our body and that is releasing releasing stagnant and stored energy and when we do that that's when we're going to find our biggest shift because now we're fully surrendered to the moment you know we're now we're fully ourselves we're there we're experiencing we're expressing we're in it baby like we are fully alive and we are fully showing up for exactly what we're feeling and we're surrendered and that's when the magic really starts to happen so my my encouragement would be to if you're feeling a little bit hesitant with sound because you know you just haven't made sound before or you don't know where to start start off really small just with the breathing and that small sort of audial sound at the the end that in and of itself will start to again shift the way that you experience not only your body but the way that you stay connected in the experience with your partner as well I never had a partner come up to me and be like oh my partner enjoys themselves too much during sex they're just too real they just you know they have these um, like a lot of pleasure a lot of healing you know it's just so great for them but you know I find it you know off-putting that never happens again partners if they're truly worth being sexual truly worth you know being intimate with they are going to want you to be in your full expression they are going to want you to have the experience that you're wanting to have so again making sound breathing setting the scene knowing why you're having sex. And the last one is going to probably be a little bit shocking, but if you want to have really great sex tonight, start with having sex with yourself. You know, this is for anybody in a couple, in a throuple, in whatever dynamic. Tonight or tomorrow, close that door, set that scene, set an intention for yourself, get a small bowl of lubricant of body oil of coconut oil anything that's safe for your vulva and your vagina or your body part and just make love to yourself so that you can then start to create a relationship to yourself that is a line in the sand and go from now on I am going to trust my intuition I'm going to listen to my body I am going to find my fullest truest version of who I am And I'm going to start to listen to you and I'm going to start breathing more and I'm going to start playing with sound and I'm going to find those places on my body that I've never explored or touched or loved or caressed and I'm going to start paying attention. And what that does is it it gives us time because a lot of the time our self-pleasure or our masturbation practices can again take that route of being very short. We might grab our vibrator when we've got a spare five minutes that everybody's left the house, whack it on the clit. We might have a very hard and fast orgasm, goes back in the thing and we're on with our day. Yeah, it doesn't become ritualized or prioritized in a way of something that we do that deeply connects us to who we are and that where we can really use it as a tool to enhance our vibrancy, our healing, our like find parts of ourselves that need to kind of be expressed or released. I just use it as a way of, of like how people kind of go to the gym and just kind of let it out I use it to kind of come back in and fill myself up from the inside yeah and by doing it yourself you're not having to worry about time constraints because of a partner you're not worried about what you look like you don't have to worry about kind of 
anybody else but just yourself take as long as you like use what makes you feel alive and comfortable touch yourself in a way that feels good for you explore experiment talk to yourself love yourself and finding the way that you can give yourself pleasure so that then you have a pathway or a roadmap that you can share with another person that you have a sort of a a touch point of going haha I know that when I really take 20 minutes just touching and, and exploring my body that I'm going to have a more expansive orgasm that when I breathe in this certain way and I'm calm and I'm you know celebrating my body and my pleasure and owning that in order to make myself feel good to make myself feel alive to make pleasure and sex not something that I just do to keep somebody happy but that I do to keep myself happy yeah so that would be my last last tip and if you are doing it set your clock like get a beautiful playlist and I want like 20 minutes minimum of touching of caressing pull yourself back if you get close then uh explore okay 15 minutes 15 minutes for anybody who discusses like 20 minutes what do you do for 20 minutes but don't even touch yourself down there on your vulva and your clitoris until at least seven minutes into it. Two songs, two songs of playing and exploring other areas of your body, your neck, your breast, your nipples. Then after the, on the third song, you can head downstairs. You can go to town down there, touching slowly, softly, faster, explore with inside, outside, lips, circles, vibrations, whatever it is. No sex toys, just fingers. Again, becoming attuned to subtleties, to nuances, to the dynamics and the flavors that your body is kind of responding to. Then when you're getting kind of close, if that is a possibility for you, if you're getting a little bit closer to orgasm, bring it back. Start touching other areas of your body. Breathe, sound, then go back in again. Doing that a few times, building up that sensual and sexual energy. I guarantee you when you do let yourself spill over and you're breathing and expanding, that orgasm is going to be 10 times more powerful and more uh, fulfilling. I love this. There we go. There are my five tips. Dear <laughs> listeners, you all have a job to do tonight. Go enjoy yourself. Get your handstand towels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it busts through that shame, you know, that shame of like, it's sex is something we do with another person. No, again, if pleasure is our birthright, if we, it starts first and foremost with ourselves, you know. We get to decide how we experience pleasure. We have these instruments at our little, literal fingertips that we get to learn how to play so exquisitely that it's like, learn your instrument. It will not be dead time. You won't walk out and go, oh, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> you know, if you've got 20 minutes to watch an episode on Netflix, you've got 20 minutes to find your ecstasy. Love this. I actually wouldn't mind leaving it at this because I don't even know how we're going to top it. So then I would love to go to the final question I ask all of my experts. If you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? I think it'd be very simple of just prioritize your pleasure. Just know that again, we've, we've said it so many times, pleasure is your birthright. Know that it's there, that if it, you're feeling numb, it can be uncovered in any expression or form or flavor. But to become curious about it, to spend time with your body, to know that you're worth it, that it is such an integral part of our well-being and who we are. And it's just do it is all I want to say. You know, I get so excited and that I sometimes can't find the words, but it, you, it, it will change your life. It will really change the way that you relate to yourself, the way you relate to pleasure, to sex. And yeah, I just, to know that you're worth it and 
yeah, that's all I can say, just to, to encourage you to think about all of those things that, that turn you on, that turn you off, to get to know all the, the nuances and, and beautiful, delicious things about who you are as a sexual woman and then own it and to speak up for your needs and desires. Where can people find you? And do you still offer sessions to couples and people? I heard that it's do you still offer sex to couples and people? And I was like, oh, um, <laughs> clearly I've got that one thing on my mind after just talking about it for an hour. So you can find me at uh, au is my website. I'm on Instagram at tarao slash sex coach with two X's because I'm fancy. So it's Tara O at Sex Coach. And also because Instagram hates sex educators and coaches, they love to kind of censor us. Um, so I had to kind of outsmart the algorithm, which hasn't worked. Uh, so Tara O Sex Coach on Instagram. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. You'll find me on all the socials. And yes, I do sessions. I have courses. I do workshops. And you can kind of either DM me on Instagram. I can do Zooms. I have products. I have yeah, all the resources as well over at my website at tarao.com.au. So you can check out uh, all the goodies over there. I love this. Thank you so much for being here, Tara. I think um, all the listeners have a challenge for tonight, and I'm really excited for everyone about that. And um, thank you for sharing so all your knowledge. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I mean, I can talk about it for days and days and weeks, obviously. You know, I think you can hear the passion. Um, well, I hope that if people want to keep talking about it with you, I I hope they they'll hit you up. Yes, come. We can talk about desire and libido and orgasmic issues. And if you do have a hurdle, know that you're not alone. Sex is hard. It's tricky to get all the bits and bodies working the way that you want them to. So there's no shame. There's no reason to kind of hide behind um, what you feel could be a dysfunction or a disorder. It's there is no such thing. We can, there's solutions to everything. Amazing ending. Thank you so much. Mwah. Thank you so much. Hey. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Please give this podcast a five-star review. This really helps with growing and reaching a bigger audience. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast, and we will be back next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.